brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the CNC Router Tips Podcast, episode 44. But the best, like the best thing I've ever told people, you know what? When you're having a problem, just stop. Just, just turn it off. Go in the house, you know, do whatever you need to do and walk away and come back with a fresh sense because you'll get it. You got this machine running. This is the CNC Router Tips Podcast, a show which answers one question from you, the listener, about CNC router tables, CNC software, hardware, web hosting, and business. I'll help you get started in your CNC hobby or business and help you cut through the confusion. Today's episode is sponsored by TheMakersGuide.com. The Maker's Guide. Useful tools for makers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of uh, CNC Router Tips Podcast. Uh, I'm the host, Bill Griggs, and I'm very fortunate today to have Mike Heidrich with me. Uh, Mike has been a uh, a person that I've looked up to for quite a while because of the uh, amazing things that he has done. Uh, and I first met him in the Joe CNC community uh, where he was building uh, a router table very similar to um, the one that I was building, except Mike likes to take things to extremes. And I think it's really cool. I, I, you're, I think you're going to love your story and uh, you should enjoy uh, meeting Mike. How's it going today, Mike? Hi, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Um, Bill and I have been friends as we went through our builds together, and uh, um, I've found that really the CNC DIY community is is filled with great people all over the uh, world, really, that are building amazing machines. So don't let him discredit his machine by any means. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Now, um, so where are you from, Mike? So I live in Bloomington, Illinois, um, kind of downstate, and um, kind of got into woodworking at about 2005 uh, when I finally got a, a home that had a shop that was big enough to warrant start start to build things. Mm-hmm. And 
about that time, about 2006, um, a friend said, hey, I think I'm going to learn to build a, a CNC router table. And I was kind of interested in, in, in that. I, did, I really didn't know much about it. And the, the, the story went that uh, another friend heard that I, I was kind of interested in it, and he was going to give me a broken machine uh, that was a, a little 18-inch cutting area machine. And uh, he did not build it, um, and he really didn't know how it worked. And so uh, as I started looking at the machine, I started investiga- investigating who actually built the first one. Mm-hmm. And I met my friend Nathan. And uh, when Nathan came over and we, we started talking, he said, yeah, that he would love to someday build a Joe's machine. And uh, I didn't know what a Joe's machine was or any of that. And uh, um, after he left that night, I went and investigated the Joe's machine. And I called him the next day and I said, well, I don't think I'm going to fix your old machine. I think I'm just going to build a Joe's. And he said, well, well, you can't build a Joe's. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, it's your first machine. You don't build, you don't start out building a Joe's machine for your first machine. And I said, well, if you're on your third machine, I don't want to build the first and second one. I just want to go to the one you want. <laughs> and so, uh, that's how I found the Joe's website and all my friends there, uh, invested the money to join the forum. And, and at the time I couldn't believe that I was paying money to join a forum and, and looking back, that's probably the best money I think I've ever spent on any of this hobby. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you feel, Bill. Yeah, I but, feel uh, exactly the same way. Uh, you just couldn't know how much information would be coming out of that and how many great uh, conversations that would get started with people. It's just and amazing. And the beauty of, of the Joe's community was that it narrowed my research, if you will, from the plethora of the amazing information that's on CNC zone, it was just too overwhelming for me as a newbie. Uh, and it allowed me to focus in on, you know, different machines, all somewhat similar. Um, and it allowed me to, to really focus in and learn, uh, pieces to get my machine built rather than, asking blinded questions on CNC zone and maybe getting one or two responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a community where there were 50 people of like-minded ideas, all trying to get to the same goal. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the friend that originally introduced me, Brett, when he said he was going to learn how to do it, he went down that path by himself. He didn't, he'd never, settled for, you know, any one design or any one plan. Um, and he struggled. He really did. Uh, he built an amazing machine at the end, but it, it cost him money, uh, because we didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny when, when you first get the plans from Joe, uh, you're like, wow, 22 pages or whatever the accounts up to these days. Mine's an, an older machine that he had. Mm-hmm. And, I was like, wow, there's a lot of a lot of stuff here. But as you go through the build, you see, you learn to read between the lines, um, and you realize what you don't know and how important you know 3D drawings are and, and the ability to to hide different build, parts of the build as you're studying it in order to figure out what it is you're doing. Um, the beauty for me of Joe's was uh, being able to buy it and purchase the parts 
kind of ad hoc. And as I saved up the money, I wasn't ever forced to uh, outlay a ton of money or go into debt uh, to get my CNC machine. Um, I just purchased parts as I could save up for them. Um, And for me, that was critical. I never, this is a hobby. I don't, I don't do this as a business, but I take my hobbies to an extreme level. And, and I never wanted, I never wanted any debt to come out of this. Um, if I make money, that's awesome. And it, you know, that provides money to go back into the different hobbies. But for me, it was, you know, just doing this myself and complete and, I remember the, a, a pivotal point for me. At one point, I had I had bought. Uh, at the time, it was about twelve different three hundred dollar purchases. Uh, as uh, was roughly as I was going through my bill of materials and everything I was putting together. And I remember at one point, I had about fifteen hundred dollars worth of just metal and parts laying on the floor. And I looked at it and I was like thinking boy, I sure hope this works <laughs> because there was no way I was getting that money back out of that pile of raw materials. Yeah. You're not taking and, the Unistrut bag. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, after you, you get in, in, you know, you're, you're sourcing parts from friends, you know, not all of it's new. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're all trying to do this as, as uh, realistically as we possibly can. And, and for the least amount of money that we can. And, you know, at some point I just had to start, I had to start working those materials, breaking them down into digestible chunks. And I don't remember, I don't remember who told me, um, but they're like, just move forward. Even if you don't understand, just move forward. And I remember after I got my machine running, when it first started jogging, because you had built it yourself, you understood every little segment component that you'd put together in those steps when you built it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it seemed simple because it was three motors, you know, each one turning highly precisely, but a motor only turns right or left. And, and to get that to perform, you know, three operations at one time makes for this awesome machine. But by building it myself, I really felt like I had a great understanding of how those three axes worked. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing when you look at a, a set of uh, plans like that and wow. you realize just how much went into designing that, you know, for Joe, uh, you know, right from the start. But oh. each each, sim- each simple portion of that was one simple thing. And if you understood that one thing, you could understand the next one and the next one. And it, it wasn't like drinking from the fire hose. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you have friends over or you have uh, customers come over and, you, and they see you working and they are just blown away mm-hmm. because that's exactly it. They're trying to digest what you've just built in minutes. Yeah. And it's hard to comprehend it when you see it all together. But when you spent you know, 30 days or, or two months or however long it takes you to build those parts. And especially if you, if you, if you purchase your machine in digestible chunks and, and get started and, and start building even before you have all the parts purchased, mm-hmm. you have the time to really understand what it is you're doing, to ask questions of, of, you know, people who have built before you or that are currently building, um, to learn from their mistakes, 
you know, that's another beauty of the Joes is that everyone's so willing to share, hey, I've had these problems yeah. or I've had these you know, situations come up or I want to do this. What do you think? And in and, and, and this big uh, think tank community allows us to continually get better as a group. Yeah. And the that think tank environment also made the plans better because as you know, someone would come up with a better modification. They were sharing it. They were showing, you know, how it was done or they were adding it on. Um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when I started out and I, when I found Joe's plans to, to begin with, um, and we're, and for those of our listeners who don't know who Joe is, um, Joe uh, Cantrell, he was on uh, previous episodes of the CNC router tips podcast, episode 24 and episode 25. There'll be links in the show notes to those, but you can go to cncroutertips.com slash two four. Uh, to get to the episode 24, or you can go to cncroutertips.com slash 25 to uh, get to episode 25. But uh, Joe uh, designed his machine, and I gave up on a design that I was working on in order to build his machine <clears throat> instead of continuing down the road I was on. And, uh, Mike, I don't know if you remember, but when I started, I was going to make a slant bed version of uh, Joe's machine, you know, like uh, very much like a panel saw. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was doing all the, the drawings up in a Libre design, which is now a Geo Magic design, I think. Uh, 3D Systems bought it up like everything else. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I, I was very far into that build uh, when I discovered that I hadn't taken into account the height of the uh, – uh, trusses in my basement where it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, I had already started cutting metal, and uh, I yeah. Go I ahead. remember um, when I started building my machine, and I got it running. I had been spending about a year's worth of weekends with a local cabinet maker named Gary, and good friend of mine. He also has the same day job I do. And uh, he thought when I first started it that I was just crazy because he was a very focused uh, cabinet maker, power tool. He knew how to make money doing woodworking, and that's what he focused on. And here's Mikey, this guy that that does it for fun and to teach himself how to do things. I go down these paths of, of learning that – most people will, would, won't even consider just to do it, just to teach myself. And uh, when I got my machine running and he came over, he was blown away. Mm-hmm. And he realized that all of the work he was doing in cabinet making required installs and huge finishing jobs when he was done. And that's a ton of work for anybody that's that's never done cabinets. And uh, it's backbreaking work. Mm-hmm. And this was all an additional job for him because we already had full-time jobs. So, so when he saw what I was able to do and the money I was able to make with smaller scale items and the profits that you can turn with those niche items mm-hmm. – 
he wanted to invest the money immediately into a machine. Now, he didn't want to build a Joe's. He didn't want to go down that path. And uh, the CNC router parts guys are are basically partners in crime with us mm-hmm. for a lot of the Joe's builders um, because their, their carriages and their uh, mechanisms and gantries and stuff like that really led to Joe being able to release a design that allowed us to customize our machine with still having some critical components professionally made. Yeah. And when they got to the point where they could release a package was about the time that Gary decided he was going to invest. And they have, they have an amazing set of machines too, that if you're, if your listeners are looking for um, a kit but don't want to go down the path of, of manufacturing parts like you might get into with the Joe's machine. Um, the, the CNC router parts are, are excellent machines. And he was able to, to purchase a machine and get, you know, in a couple shipments, basically all the mechanics that took me weeks and weeks and weeks to create yeah. and to, you know, turn raw materials into. Yeah. And that's the, and that was the, the one downside of, of building it through the Joe's, you had to source your own materials and there were so many options that you, you know, it took you a while to decide. And, um, because of that, you ended up paying multiple shipping fees. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if you look at any purchase, you know, when you go to a Joe's machine, there's bill of materials where people have outlined everything they purchased and, you know, the line items for shipping and, and just the number of orders that you'll place um, is, is like I said, for me, it was great because it allowed me to pay for it, you know, in chunks. But again, Gary was trying to, to go down the path of a business where time's money for him. So he wanted to, to get this machine up in short order and he was willing to pay more for that. Um, the beauty of, of him working with me was I knew the electronics in and out. Yeah. I had designed the Mikey controller. I had released that design on the Joe's forum. Um, I had helped, you know, three or four different people build ones uh, across the United States and a couple people in other countries. And then three local people here uh, also basically contracted me to build their controller. And it's really was using Gecko controls and doing all the electrical wiring and the switches and the relays and that kind of stuff. And because, you know, Gary was my friend when he placed his order, by the time he placed his order, I had a controller built for him. Mm -hmm. So literally one weekend we spent nine hours assembling a CNC router parts machine. And at the end of the nine hours, the machine was jogging um, because we had the controller out of the way and the base. Um, You talk about, uh, you know, designs and, and the community. I don't remember who it was that are, that released that four by four steel base uh, schematic that a lot of us have built. The, there was, was a couple Joe. that were breakdown style, but I, I chose to go with um, an all welded design. And really that was because Gary had decided he wanted a welded base. And my first machine was Unistrut. And as it was running, that was one of the the things I didn't like was the shimmy that I got by only using C channel Unistra in my base rather than using box steel. Yeah, if, or, if or I could change building it out of wood. If I could change one thing about my machine, 
that would be it. I just haven't gotten to it. I bought a welder and welding equipment, just haven't gotten to it. Uh, yeah, and and Gary took the, you know, he was going to go into the CNC router parts machine, and uh, he had taken the schematics and had that we had got from the Joes, and he had a local welder build his machine. Well, some work came up, and, and it pushed Gary out about a month and a half on his build. So I was able to purchase his steel base or his steel stand um, already completely welded. And when I, this was, you know, like I said, about a year into having my machine running, I decided to go with Harry's Cassie and C carriages Mm -hmm. and upgrade my machine. And, and, and that's something I can't stress enough about these builds as well is we're not locked into one design for the life of the machine. We're able to, I think I'm on my third or fourth design. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can change it any way we want because you know exactly how it's built and you know how to disassemble it and change it into something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was able to, to take my Unistrep base and change it over to, to a welded steel base. And I sold my Unistrep base to another guy who wanted a deal on building a first level uh, Joe's hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't, you know, didn't want to invest the money in the steel base. So I made him an awesome deal on the Unistrut and it helped me source mine. And so that got me into a welded base about the same time as a Harry CNC machine, mm-hmm. a Harry's cast CNC build of the Joe's hybrid. Yeah. And, and, and Harry, um, Harry, Harry was one of the members of the forum. Uh, yeah, he's an amazing guy. He he does some amazing work outside of of CNC um, in the industry, and just just a great guy willing to share any knowledge that he has. Yeah, his website um, was castcnc.com, but I don't believe that he's um, producing the parts anymore. Yeah, he he's moved on to to greater things. Um, I think we see that sometimes in in the in the community where. You know, when when people are building machines and helping each other out low scale, um, it's one thing. But when these guys learn how to make big money, um, it doesn't it doesn't always pay for them to produce some of these smaller end parts. So I respect what he's done, but I'm so thankful that I got in when I did. Yeah. But because of uh, because of where the Cassie and C carriages went and the all metal machines getting away from some of the HDPE parts and MDF parts that we had on the original Joe's hybrid, I think that's how we ended up with the Joe's evolution. Joe created this all metal machine. So now with a combination of, of some different uh, 80-20 selections, um, a 30-60 gantry, you know, some of these pieces – that evolution machine is amazing. I don't, Joe or, or Bill, have you had the chance to to see an evolution in person? I have not, but I've helped uh, a few people build one over the phone and through Skype. It, it's kind of it's kind of funny. I've I've seen the massive piece of eighty twenty that they're using on there. The, the larger beam that thirty sixty is just absolutely amazing. Um, the Brett guy, the guy that built his original machine the same time I did, he used that 3060 right from the very beginning because it worked with some of the CNC router parts parts. And 
when when I was over at his house and he got that extrusion and I lifted it and I had, you know, by that time, um, you know, my my was it 1520 or whatever the extrusion was Mm -hmm. that we used on the on the original uh, hybrid machine. It was shockingly different that the the mass of that 3060 extrusion. Um, And now Joe's got that incorporated into his machine. So today, if someone's starting build, you'll go straight to an evolution. You'll never, I I doubt anyone would go through the the hybrid unless they just really couldn't afford the difference. And to me, it looks like a relatively small difference in price, Mm. less than $500 difference between an evolution build and a hybrid build. Yeah, and the path to getting your hybrid built is so much simpler than um, building the, or, or getting an Evo built, excuse me. The evolution yeah. is, is nicknamed the Evo uh, built is so much quicker than building your own stuff for the, the hybrid. Now in both cases, uh, Joe's CNC.com offers kits for building whichever version of the machine that you choose to make. But yeah, you can source parts, you know, the main critical components right from Joe um, that he makes right in his own shop. And uh, um, as well as I mean, he he provides the plans if you want to make your own, um, you know, you're more than welcome to do that. But he makes it easy for you to source some of these parts. Uh, and like I said, the Evo really needs some machine parts, some aluminum parts um, to get up and running. But the result is just a fantastic uh, design. Yeah. Like I said, I, yeah. I'm so thankful to Joe and everything that he's done for me and my shop over the years. Um, and like I said, as well as all the sister companies that he's partnered with, it's really changed uh, the direction in my shop, right? And also because of that, my friends, because I've steered them down the path you know, they come and they see what they like or whatever. And I say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I did, but if I was doing it now, here's where I would go. Um, and so that's why I say the the community is always getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so for me, after I had my, after I had my machine running and I've, I've made some upgrades, I also did a, the, the spindle upgrade. There were some guys online that liked the Mikey controller and they wanted, uh, they wanted a spindle option, um, and a couple people paid me to figure out <laughs> how to do the spindle option on my controller. Um, and so that's what I did. It, they basically paid for my, uh, test bed, if you will, <laughs> so that I could figure it out for them. And then they could just order the parts and wire it up and not have to s- figure out, you know, getting, um, mod bus to work on controllers with mock and all these different pieces. Um, but I really, I really like the spindle option uh, that I've done with my machine bill. But honestly, I don't know that it's appreciably better for the work that I do than a regular router, two and a quarter horsepower router or larger, um, other than being quieter uh, and the ability to reverse and use some left-handed tooling, stuff like that. Um, I really think that you have to watch how much you spend um, and unless you just have unlimited money or unlimited time uh, to figure it out, um, I think that you there's there's ways to build machines um, economically. And I think that's important for me as, as a DIY guy who's not doing this as a business 
to to try and figure out you know what makes the most sense for me and especially you know I, I'm I'm very fortunate um in the tools I found the deals I found but there's a lot of guys that don't have a lot of tools when they first start a, a, a CNC build I was shocked at the number of people that have you know a drill press and a circular saw and they go to building a CNC machine mm-hmm. whereas I look at it like CNC operations is less than 20% of of the work in my end product. So, you know, I look at it as as another step or tool in a toolbox, not as being the only tool or the one main tool that I have. Um, and I think it's just where, where people start at. I was a woodworker that came to CNC, but I think that there's a lot of people that start at CNC and then try to become a woodworker on the backside. That's me. That's what, what happened with me. I built a CNC and then learned woodworking uh, because I always wanted to do it. But uh, one of the things uh, about um, woodworking is it, te- it requires um, a whole bunch of equipment. And often uh, that's not something most people can afford. And uh, the CNC router actually replaces several or could replace several of those tools uh, when you think about it. I mean, uh, sure. Things that you can do on a bandsaw, for instance, or on a, in many cases, on a table saw, uh, drill press, uh, you know. Countless jigs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can do those things. It may not be the most efficient use of it, but it can do those things. And, you know, I learned, I learned a lot from luthiers and, Two or three different hobbies really take people to CNC. People that are luthiers, people that are into remote controlled RC mm-hmm. products, and and um, you know people that are you know just into these eclectic builds. And and the beauty of a luthier is if they're good, it's like one of the most underappreciated arts that I've ever seen. Because a guy that wants a guitar built expects automotive quality finish on a guitar Mm -hmm. but they don't want to pay they want it as cheap as possible just like every other hobby right and and so these luthiers develop talents that i just just awe inspiring you know i feel like i'm pretty good at shooting cabinets and and shooting lacquer these people take finishing to a whole new level i mean literally automotive quality finish in my opinion Mm -hmm. and and learning from them and a lot of luthiers have very small workspaces, at least the ones that I've met. You know, a lot of guys, and, and to say the, the guys that, that got into building, you know, smaller router tables are doing it in less than one bay in their garage, you know? So if you take up a two by three machine or a two by four machine, or, or, you know, like we did four by four, which is 72 inch extrusions on the X and Y axis, all of a sudden you don't have a lot of room for these other woodworking tools, right? I'm running into that now, yeah. Yeah, and so you learn to work with the space that you have. And and I've seen a couple CNC builders start out with a 4x4 and then switch to a 2x3. And because they've built a Joe's machine or a DIY machine, they're able to convert their whole machine and reconfigure the base and use the same parts they already have. They're, and, and they're only changing the the uh, the x-axis, really. Yeah, the x-axis, and 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 you know maybe why if they want to go a little shorter, cutting some rack, mm-hmm. and and 
but the machine itself self really still stays the same. Mm-hmm. And because, like I said, you've worked the parts when you built your Joes, you worked the parts, you know how to shorten them. And you know what you need to be concerned about as far as of having the additional links in the accesses you need. And so it's it's really allowed us to hone in on the pieces that we need to create the products we want. You know, that's the most important thing that I talk to people about when they say, Mikey, I want to build a CNC machine. I was like, tell me what you wanted, what you want to create. And I'll help you get to the perfect machine. Yeah. That, and that is so critical. I, I know that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't, you know, gotten into this particular forum and, and, and learned and, and, and grew with everybody. But it is true. You gotta, you gotta know what it is that you want to make. And, um, if you're like me, um, and you're easily distracted, <laughs> you know, you'll find that you may never actually get to the point where you're making what it was that you started out to make. Sure. Because you're so tied up in other projects and hobbies and things that come up as you're learning. Cause half of the fun for me is learning. Uh, you know, and the other half is, is, you know, actually making something, uh, maybe not necessarily over and over again, but I, I love the first time you do something that nobody else thought of or, or, or just a little bit different or a little bit better, you know, that's, yeah. that's the cool part for me. You know, CNC for me, I'm an IT guy during the day and all day long I work on these machines and I get return code zero and I execute commands and I get the okay when it comes back and there's nothing tangible about the work that I get paid to do. And CNC takes that to the next level. It allows you to to use code, to use drawings that you're working on, and produce something. Something moves. You can touch the product you create. And it's that's the reward, I think, that I get out of doing what I do. There is um, every single one of your, your senses is engaged in a CNC project. You can smell the wood cutting. You can you can taste the sawdust on your tongue. Yeah, where you know you can see it moving, you can feel it, you can hear it, and you know. Yeah, it's and you know you know when it's not right, or you know when something's different. You know, you do this long enough, you know the sounds, you know the smells. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden something's not right, or or you pick up on on you know depth differences or something. You know something about your cuts, you spot it. Mm-hmm. And and again, because you've built that machine, you can correct it yeah. or you have a good idea of where to start looking. And and I tell people like the the power is in ordering the parts that are broken at 2 a.m. on a Saturday yeah. and not waiting to have to call a vendor on Monday. Exactly. And, and, you don't worry and, about the vendor trying to troubleshoot it from across the country. Or to say, we don't support that anymore. Or, you know what? I really want to sell you on this new solution. You know what? You are the solution. You know what needs upgraded or where you want to take your machine or what you just want to leave alone because it's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in the power. Now, you take risk, right? When you don't know, you're trying to lean on friends and lean on the forums to get some advice. And it can be frustrating, Mm -hmm. you know? But the best, like the best thing I've ever told people you know what, when you're having a problem, just stop, just, just turn it off, 
go in the house, you know, do whatever you need to do and walk away and come back with a fresh sense because you'll get it. You got this machine running, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, th- I think that that worries a lot of folks. The electronics worries a lot of folks. I think the the not having that vendor in your corner worries, you know, but again, when when I do this as a hobby, I don't have a lot of support money to throw at this or I don't choose to throw the money at support. I'm the support. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I'm confident in, in making the connections with people and in the community that I've chosen, which is the Joe's community to to be my boost of confidence. So Mike, uh, just, you know, so that we don't turn this whole thing into a, a Joe's CNC fest, uh, although we could, cause it, it's well-deserved in my opinion, well-deserved. But, um, one of the things that you did that really intrigued me and, and impressed me, uh, was when you decided that you needed a bigger workspace and that you had finally reached the point in your, in your life where you're going to build your shop your way. Uh, let's talk about the Mikey space a little bit. Today's episode is sponsored by The Maker's Guide, creator of the Triple Edge Finder. Get the edge you need, save time and frustration on your CNC project, and make setup a snap. Save time and material. Set up your workpiece on your CNC router table faster than ever. Accurately set your Z-axis height first time, every time. Automatically locate the corner or edge of a workpiece Reset your starting point in the middle of a program. Quality crafted right here in the USA on U.S.-made CNC machines. Get the edge you need today. Go to www.themakersguide.com forward slash edge. The Maker's Guide. Useful tools for makers. One of the things that you did that really intrigued me and, and impressed me uh, was when you decided that you needed a bigger workspace and that you had finally reached the point in your, in your life where you're going to build your shop your way. Uh, let's talk about the Mikey space a little bit. Okay. So, so I'm so enamored with the thought of maker spaces me too. and these larger cities that have the luxury of the, of having a community that can just, you know, really deliver solutions and and opportunities for the mass, if you will, that the average person just can't really uh, uh, acquire or doesn't have the room for. And so from going from CNC and, and getting into metalworking and 3D printing and electronics and all these places that my hobbies have taken me um, – I was trying to get with some local business leaders, if you will, to to come up with some ideas on getting a makerspace in my, in my local community. Mm-hmm. And okay. one of the challenges that a lot of communities face is that the leaders only think big business, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and especially for me, the ones that have have investigated makerspaces and seeing the millions of dollars it takes to to set one of those up, you know, uh, for real, um, they didn't have any interest in in doing it because it looked like too big of a a project. And I spent over a year in meetings, you know, every month meeting with the same people over and over. And I wasn't getting anywhere, Bill. I was getting a lot of, of, well, we need, 
you know, to worry about funding and we need to figure out how we're going to source all this and we need all these permits and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, around me in some of the uh, different communities within an hour's driving distance of me, I was seeing folks attempting to create maker spaces and, and, they went down the opposite end of the spectrum where all of a sudden they had 30 or 40 people that wanted to do it. None of which wanted to invest their own money mm-hmm. and they had to somehow come up with the space and they didn't really have any of the tools to build out a space. So yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they, they put a lease down or they get a lease and they have to figure out how to come up with rent every month and keep this a viable solution with with really no uh you know limited tools and and it, it seems like a lot of them started at the 3D printing world because that's a fairly easy tool to acquire in a small space yeah. and you know a lot of these a lot of these places end up having two or three printers and they do some arts and crafts and that's really hard to keep people motivated well i I got sick of all of this, uh, and and I decided that I had a fifty thousand dollar problem. Um, I'm fortunate to have land where I live, and I just called some Amish guys and had them build a big building mm-hmm. because I had the tools to basically run my own makerspace already, and I didn't like the ideas of of having to have panels of people and and boards of people making decisions. Uh, it got to the point where I decided, well, I'm going to do it myself, my way. I can make my own decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And when you don't have to worry about coming up with rent or anything, you don't have to, you know, it, it frees you up from a lot of these these uh, uh, different vices that, that a lot of these decisions are based on. Yeah. You know, I didn't have the roadblocks that a lot of these other spaces have to, have to manage. Um, and – the beauty of it was if I did it myself, I could do it my way. Right. And, and I could choose the tools that I want in there and I don't have to get permission from anyone else. And if I'm running the place, my friends are hooked up. You know, the people that I enjoy being around, the kids that I enjoy being around are the ones that are going to win. And I, I've got two girls. I've got, uh, Megan, who's about to turn 10 and Lily, who just turned seven. And, and they don't know, makers. Bill, that people don't have robots at their house. <laughs> They've never been in an environment where they couldn't try to build something. No matter what they come up with, we can try it. Mm-hmm. Right. And my company that I work for, we, we bring so many people into this community, you know, external jobs and bringing new jobs in and all this stuff. And, and a lot of them live in apartments and these small, you know, townhouses, and they don't have any space to to do the same thing for their kids. And I don't care if I can put parents with their kids in front of things. I don't care if they learn a single thing, Bill. I don't care if they learn about robots or not. But if I make a memory of them spending time together, that's it for me, man. That is the biggest charge I get. On this whole <laughs> space of my hobbies, and and I want to give back. I want to give that to people. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a philanthropist. I'm not any of this other stuff. I'm not doing this to make money. I'm doing this because I like to do it with my own kids, and I want to give that opportunity to other people. 
I want to teach people. I want people to teach me because what I find is, you know, on my floor, like I said, I'm an IT guy. There are so many hidden talents amongst the guys on my floor. You know, it just takes a matter of getting to know them. And if I can turn some of that into some of the hobbies that I like and learn from them or maybe teach them something or teach these kids, you know, we we talk about people not making things in the United States or whatever. It's because people are on their phones too much or they're, you know, I really believe that on the computer, on the Internet. You know, I'm not anti-technology. I'm probably the most technology person that I know of. But it's it's directed. It's focused. And that to me is what what the Mikey space is is being built for is a place where I can spread out and I can have, you know, I've helped five people build machines locally all in a, in a thousand square foot detached shop. You know, that's my that was my first shop. I'm out of room. You know, you get a milling machine and you get a Joe's router four by four and then you get some other woodworking equipment. Man, it goes fast. And all of a sudden I didn't have space to teach. And so then, like I said. I called the boys. They came and built me a steel building, and I'm finishing the inside out myself. Why? Because I want to do the same thing like my my like my router. Purchase it and pay for it as as I get the money. I don't want huge uh, debt because of all this stuff. Um, I want to be able to to do it and not impact anything. But at the same time, I want to do it my way. And and I've put three-phase rotary phase converter in there. I've got more outlets than anybody has ever seen. Um, you've, you've seen my slat wall design that I'm doing for my walls. These are all ideas I've been building up over the last five years. Now, now Why? Let's, let's, because let's, it makes sense to me. Let, let's slow down for a second. Okay. So we, we're talking about your Mikey space. Okay. How big is it? It's, it's 40 by 64 with 16-foot tall walls and to the bottom of the trusses. Okay. And you put so, in, you put in, um, in floor heating. Yeah. So I, did, I didn't know how to do that. I had to teach myself how to do that. Um, if you do a search on, on YouTube for Bloomington, Mike, uh, you'll find my radiant floor heat walkthrough now, because just like Joe's, I didn't know. And I taught myself, but I don't want the next person to start from square zero. Exactly. Each one, teach one. As my mom used to yep. say. Yeah. So you, 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 you put in right from the foundation of this thing, you were doing di- things differently. So you, you put in the, the in-floor heating and then, you know, it's essentially a pole barn after that. And it went up quick in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're, you're the garage doors. <laughs> that you, oh, you know, so, that you could drive the space shuttle through. <laughs> you know, my, my thought was, People are like, how'd you size your doors, Mikey? And I said, you know what? They're 14 foot by 14 foot. And they said, well, why did you pick that? That's huge. And I said, well, because the main road going down to where my house is has a has an overpass that's 13.9. And I figure if they can drive down my road, they can drive in my shop. You know, and, and I'm leaving the middle between the doors. There's doors at, at the east and west ends so that you can drive through because I like to bring my materials in with my truck and I want to take my products that I finally make out of out through the the same doors and I wanted to be able to just drive through so I've got a metal working section in this building I've got a woodworking section in this building 
with path to drive right through the middle. And I've got I've got my workflow set up on where my tools are going to be so that everything flows with what I think is a, is a very efficient manner. Right. And uh, you talk about the doors. So I decided I wanted a projector in the shop because, you know, when you're watching videos or whatever you want to do, um, having a projector is nice. But I didn't want to use my wall space up. Uh, for the projection screen and I was looking at those doors and I looked at the frame of the garage door and said you know what I'm gonna hang a projector screen underneath the frame of my garage door so that my door still go up and over the top of the door or over the top of the screen but the projector screen I bought a power retracting one and the, the funny part was they're like, you put a 200-inch screen in there, Mike. And I said, yeah, because it was cheaper than a 160-inch screen. Because no one puts a 200-inch screen up, and they were cheap. <laughs> so I found a, a a powered screen that I put below my door, and we hung, a, we hung a projector in there. And now we've got a theater out there. And and I know a lot of people with home theaters, and, and a lot of my friends are into it. But, Bill, I don't know anybody that owns a drive through or uh, their own their own drive-in, their you know what drive-in, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because now you can pull your vehicle in there and watch a movie. So it's kind of a running joke around here about the Mikey's drive-in. You know, the funny part uh, to me is you, you do a lot of um, uh, reuse, recycle in, in this project. Um, you've gone through, uh, like you found a real sweet deal on plywood, Uh you know, short half half sheets of plywood, and you you bought a ton of that, and you bring it in, and you're still using that. Uh, yeah. And you you found at the Habitat for Humanity Restore, a uh, great place uh, for people to get things that have either been used or are ex you know excess materials from building projects, um, and it goes for a good cause. The Habitat Restore. Um, but you stumbled across a really sweet deal on your uh, chairs for your uh, for your yeah. drive through. <laughs> so so I wanted to be able to to have some seating for the, for watching movies out there, but I didn't want them to be permanent, right? I didn't want to have chairs that that you couldn't move. So um, I found their medical recliners that came from a, an eye surgical place, and. They, I oh, just lucked out. I wasn't looking for them. I just happened to show up and saw my chairs that were on casters. And so now we have these recliners that that not only are they on casters, but they're they have handles so that you can move them around. And so you know, it's it, it's funny. I I'm always looking. I'm always researching because again, I want to be able to you know purchase things as I can afford them. I would never be able to afford afford chairs like that if I had to pay full price, right? So so things like Craigslist and, and the Restore, um, Friends Online, eBay, all those things have played critical uh, roles in me sourcing the products that I put in the shop and finishing this thing out. Um, and, you know, being able to recycle and reuse something just has its own innate benefits to your community. And especially with Habitat, with the money going back, to support local builds just makes you feel good about buying from them anyways. And then to get something that you can actually use, uh, man, it's just win-win for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, my buddy Tony comes out about every Sunday and helps me. Um, he really believes in what I'm doing and he gives us time to connect and, and to, to talk about different things besides just work. 
or whatever. And I think that that just like you were talking about your friend, uh, you've talked in the past about friends helping you with your builds, and I've watched you uh, post pictures of your family and friends helping you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's benefits to doing this stuff yourself that go beyond just the machines or or, or using CNC or whatever. Um, and and making those friendships uh, is better than any project that I've ever made. It's priceless. One of the things that really um, motivates me with this thing, you know, of of doing this is the fact that when you start doing, you know, building your own CNC, or even if you go out and buy one and you bring it into your, your, your environment, your friends start coming around and then they bring friends and they tell other friends. And before long, you've built a little community around your machine. And sometimes you know from a business standpoint you end up creating business other times you end up creating things for your friends and either case it's a win-win situation because you know now they're seeing what's possible and you know and they're sharing that and getting the whole cottage industry thing going again in america is is a big deal to me i think that's probably the biggest benefit and legacy that i hope to leave behind uh, because of what I'm doing and what I'm sharing, maybe somebody can figure out how they can do their own thing, whatever it is, where they, wherever they are. You know, I, the biggest, biggest passion I have is trying to teach people something before they need to use it, right? Whether it's using different tools or whatever. I say it all the time. People are like, you have your kids doing what? And and I said, you know what? I want my girls using tools now before they ever need to use them in the future. I don't want them to grow up, have a problem, and the first time they're grabbing a tool is the first time they've ever touched it. Mm-hmm. You know? And and the same thing. I want to teach these kids just a spark of of the potential that they could do. Because if they apply, you know, the schooling that they get from from you know, the teachers and, and, and the people in their life that help them learn in addition to giving, you know, ideas maybe that are, that are non-traditional that I might be able to provide. I think that's the real power because, you know, what, what my girls have taught me more than anything is they are so smart from such a young age, a lot, a lot more than I ever expected, you know, and, and by opening up opportunities to them, now, man, it just lets them grow, right? And and it, it, that's what I want to do. And I think that if we show more kids or we give kids m- more opportunities or adults or people looking to retool, you know, we we talk about the milling machine. I I bought a I bought a milling machine from 1987. The controls were completely broke. I paid scrap price for the machine, 4,500 pounds. And I gutted that thing, Bill. And and just with the confidence from building my CNC router, I re-outfitted that mill and got it running. Bill, if that would have been my primary job, that's like adding an employee. And our problem is is that is that the businesses that can deal with that much weight or that size of machine don't have time or don't take the time to learn to do it. And and most of the people that you know the one and two man shops either lack the confidence or the time or or the knowledge to get out there and, and to do that themselves. 
But when I explain it and I, and I walk them through and I show them the tools and, and the documentation that's available out there, then all of a sudden it, it makes it a little easier to digest and they start thinking about doing it a little more. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we provided more tools to the people that are in these industries and taught them, hey, you don't need to be a mega corporation in order to have automation in your shop. I think that's the way that we get producing more materials locally as a viable option. And, and, and you know what? I love, I love the major manufacturers of, of these um, CNC metalworking tools. I think they're fantastic. But the barrier to entry and those price points are just out of reach. Oh, yeah. and, and everybody's got to make money. I get it. I get it. But you know what? We've got a boneyard of equipment from the 80s and 90s that's sitting there not even being used. Being sold for scrap because the people that are in that industry don't take the time to repurpose it. And, and then the other times, the guys that are trying to work out of a garage or a small shop don't even know that that's approachable. And there's people like us that, that have learned and that have some experience and, and are just ready to take on that challenge. And more importantly, willing to give back the chance to teach others how to do it. That's what's really going to spark this. Yeah. And, you know, there is so much waste in, in some of the larger organizations. I, I, uh, I work um, sometimes at a, uh, a local college, and they recently retooled their, um, their metal shop. Uh, and so they had all these old South Bend lathes that they replaced with newer um, equipment that's more readily available. And because of that, uh, because it was a state-run college, they had to send those old pieces of machinery to a central department to be disposed of. Wow. And most of them got scrapped instead of being offered in someplace like, um, you know, eBay or, or whatever. Um, and so, you know, they were scrap metal, perfectly functioning uh, lathes, you know, a dozen of them, or six or a dozen. <gasps> And I can't bid on them, of course, because, you know, that would be a conflict of interest. But Sure. And, and I don't know about your organizations, but I'm, my, the one I work for is so darn risk adverse about doing any of this stuff. They would never mess with repurposing large equipment like that due to somebody just might be getting hurt when they move it mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And, and uh, you know what? We got to get over some of this. And we got to put some responsibility back on people. We got to take some risks. If we're going to make some changes, we can't sit here and say, you know what, somebody might, you know, scratch their finger or whatever. I get it. And large organizations aren't going to make that kind of change. But people like me, again, when you get back to the Mikey space and doing it my way, I no longer have to worry about what these panels of people and what legal and what auditing is going to think and all this different stuff because I don't, I don't have those constraints anymore. And until somebody's willing to take a little risk, you know, they're not going to be able to, to get past, get past this comfortable path that they've been going down. You know, would it be so wrong for those lathes to end up in, in, you know, some other smaller schools or, you know, in some smaller shops where guys are actually trying to learn how to use them or, or maybe a shop that's never had a lathe before Mm -hmm. so that they can now produce a new product. 
And instead, we're gonna we're gonna put them in the landfill, or we're gonna you know grind them up and send the metal somewhere to some other country. Yeah. Well, I I hope that somewhere some astute uh, junk dealer uh, realized what he had and 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 sold them. Uh, yeah. You know, somebody got some use out of them because they were still good lathes. They they were just old. Yeah, and 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 people. You know, you get the wrong type of person that looks at old equipment. Old equipment is some of the best running equipment we have, mm-hmm. you know. And, it, it, you know, I'm not saying in every case, but at least get it to somebody that can evaluate it for the purposes that it really needs to run. And and I get it. Some industries just have to have tolerances that, you know, down to the nth degree. But the reality is not every product needs to be to that level. Um, and so I think that, it's it's a matter of getting it into the appropriate hands, not necessarily the the professional hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mike, um, what if you if you could just achieve one thing? Nothing was out of your reach. You had all the resources that that you needed, and everything was firing on all cylinders and went your way. What one project would you be working on right now? You know, Bill, I think, I think my, my mind explodes on, on everything that, that I'm working on now. That might be a hindrance sometimes. I think that, like you were saying earlier, I, I kind of get overextended in, in going down too many paths. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the un, unobtainable goals. I don't have the one like, boy, I just wish I could do this one thing because Honestly, I, I don't let anything stop me. I'm working on this building. I've been working on it for a year and a half. Uh, I wish I was further along than I am because I'm anxious. Um, but it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, all the while, I'm spending time with my kids and, and showing them and, and participating with them. You've seen my pictures where they're involved in all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, and, that people... You know. Uh, believe like, oh, I can't do this. I've got kids. Or they think uh, if I'm doing this, then I'm not spending time with my kids. Man, that I just made them a part of it. I made it, make them a part of my life, you know. And and it's not just even my kids; it's other kids too. So I I love my day job. It affords me the ability to do some of the things that I'm doing here. I would never change that for the world. Um, but my passion is this teaching, Bill. So if I if if everything was perfect in life, um, I would devote my time to teaching. Um, but I don't I don't want to be that traditional uh, teacher. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know how well I would operate with the uh, level of administration that goes along with traditional teaching. <laughs> so uh, I got to create something new myself, buddy. And that's what I'm go- that's my goal is to is to get my my shop in a position to whether it's it's hosting scouts or hosting 4-H or hosting metalworking clubs or or whatever it is offer that opportunity to my community that's my goal mhm excellent man this is this is this has been wonderful um talking with you i i hope that our audience can hear some of the the excitement um, that you're expressing and some of the, the, you know, just you share this 
in your writing as well as in your voice when when you talk. I mean, there is no doubt that you're having a ball uh, doing what you're doing and and sharing. You know, I, I've admired watching your 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 girls hanging cabinets with you and putting up slat wall and uh, you know. Uh, uh, I think you have one electrical socket every three inches or something. In yeah. yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but yeah. But, but your <laughs> girls are right there helping you to put the boxes up before you wire. Yeah, and you know everything. Yeah. What you know? I told somebody one time. I, I said I have the only when when Lily was four, she used my metal lathe, and I looked at her and I'm like. Most men I know have never used a metal lathe, and I've got a four-year-old girl helping me use that, you know? And and they don't even know. They just want to be a part of what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? And right now, they're young enough. I'm still the, a, a cool dad. They like to spend time with me, and I'm trying to use that as much as possible <laughs> for now. I know it may not stay the same forever, but right now – I'm going to I'm going to capitalize on that as much as I can. Your, you know, your uh, one point I want to make before we before we break this up. Yeah. There's a guy named Jason that lived up by Chicago that when I first joined the Joes, I had never seen one. And he extended the opportunity for to come up and see his machine and to learn more about it. And seeing that in person just absolutely lit a fire. And and that's what I want to encourage your your community to do. If you have interest in this kind of stuff, you know, reach out, whether it's CNC Zone or whatever forums you're on or whomever. Put put an ad out there. You know, take the time because there's people like me and you that are out there in this community that that want to share what we've learned and what we've experienced and to spark that interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Man, when you take the time and go down that path, and you can do it at your own pace, you know, you don't have to shell out a ton of money tomorrow or go to one of the big vendors and and drop, you know, a car a car's worth of money for a machine. Um, there's there's ways to get into this on on the economical way, and and even our machines, you know, we're we're a lot larger than some of the offerings that are out there, the ones that we've built. You don't have to have mega space. You don't have to have a Mikey space to get into it. But but if your community has these maker spaces and these you know areas where you can go and contribute and be a part of a community, man, I encourage you to to research it and to try it out. Uh, go you know go spend an evening. You don't have to pay any money. Most of them will let you come for you know certain nights of the week uh, for free. Um, Take the time and go check those out because I think that if you if you could just realize the potential uh, that you have in yourself and in your community, um, man, you can change the way you eat. <laughs> like I said, I without even trying, um, you can really make this a, su- a success. Fantastic. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mike Heydrich. Um, Mike, uh, where can people um, get in contact with you? So, I mean, I've got a lot of videos out on YouTube uh, under Bloomington Mike. Um, and then there's there's several builds out there. If you do a search for Bloomington Mike, it's bound to come up or Mikey Space. Um, I'm, I'm out there. Just, just reach me. Uh, go to those sites and shoot me a note, and I'll be glad to get back with you. Um, I, I have about a phone call a week, I think with different people all over the world. Um, just folks that want to, uh, 
uh, to learn more about this. So that's fantastic. Um, thank you again for uh, for coming on the show, and um, I hope you consider coming back sometime in the future. And uh, sure, you know, really enjoyed it. And um, I think maybe if we can arrange it sometime, that I would love you to take us on maybe a video walkthrough of uh, of your shop sometime. So we'll talk off air. Uh, about that maybe we can uh get something going you know to show folks what what it is that i'm excited about and that you're you know you're obviously excited about so uh, that, that sounds great. great yeah so fantastic thank you for uh listening in and um if you hey like- bill really, really want to thank you for what you do for us and and having this podcast and and being that leader in that space and helping getting our message out um, you're, you're contributing in ways that only some of us can dream about. Um, so really wanted to tell you how much we really appreciate what you're doing and what you've done for our DIY CNC and, and makerspace communities. Oh, uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, I'll try and live up to it. So <laughs> <laughs> if, if folks, if you're listening and you like this, this episode, um, please feel free to leave us a comment, uh, or, um, the thing that would help the most would be a rating and review in iTunes for CNC Router Tips Podcast. That, uh, in fact, we will, we have information in the show notes about how to leave a rating and review, and that really helps. Um, if you would uh, like to join our private Facebook group, that's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash CNC Router Tips. Uh, I think you'd, you'd love it there. So uh, with all that said, um, thank you again, Mike. Folks, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Mike Heydrich. He's uh, one of uh, more than 5,000 members of our uh, Facebook group, hashtag CNC Router Tips group on Facebook. If you're a member of that group, you're probably already aware of the 5K giveaway, which is a uh, little uh, giveaway that we're holding right now, um, which is scheduled to end in about a week from the time this uh, episode is out, uh, we'll be giving away CNC router tips, t-shirts to uh, six lucky members of the group. And if you'd like a chance to enter that contest for a shot at winning uh, one, one of these free t-shirt giveaways, you can go to CNC router tips.com slash enter and fill out the information and, uh, you'll have a shot at uh, winning one of those T-shirts. Uh, the drawings will be pulled at random from all of the eligible entries. It is limited to the continental United States only, and you must be uh, 18 years old to enter. Check it out, guys. It's a 5K giveaway, and you can find more information on it at cncroutertips.com enter. I often mention many different types of software during the episodes and hardware and cutters and it can get a little confusing. So what I did was I put together a page on my website, cncroutertips.com slash resources. And on that page, I list all sorts of resources there from books to tools to uh, software, um, all the things that I use that make my CNC experience better and easier. And I hope you'll check it out. So again, it's cncroutertips.com slash resources. Now, if you'd like to have your question featured on the air, 
Here's how. Need help? Ask me about your CNC router question on my podcast, the CNC Router Tips Podcast. I'll be glad to help or try and get you the help you need. I want this podcast to be a fun and personal experience for everyone and helpful. So let's keep it real and ask sensible questions. Please use common sense and show courtesy to everyone. That way everybody wins. Here are some guidelines to ensure that your question is qualified to be featured on the show. Please keep your questions under one minute in length. If it goes a little over that, that's fine, but um, don't ramble. If you have a website and URL, you're allowed to share it, but only once during the recording. Spammy or disrespectful or deeply private questions will not be considered for the podcast. If you need to ask more than one question, just make each question a separate voicemail. Thanks for listening in to another episode of the CNC Router Tips podcast. Uh, I hope you'll come back and join us again soon. I'm Bill Griggs. Thank you and have a great day. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.